fighting to combat tyranny one state at a time starting with wisconsin this is the badger state resistance podcast brought to you by liberty and freedom hello folks uh this is daniel with badger state resistance podcast and i'll be your host today you know people talk about first impressions and uh you know, I have a congressman on the line right now, and I made a great first impression just now by pushing all the wrong buttons and wasting his time. And uh, anyways, I have Congressman Brian Stiles on the phone with me today. How are you, sir? Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Pleasure. Sorry about all that button pushing that I did that kind of wasted a bunch of time. But let's get right into it. You know, uh with the new Congress, you know, there's a lot of hopes around the country and in Wisconsin as to what is going on with our country. Um, you know, we're happier than heck to have uh, Congress, you know, in Republican hands and only wish that uh, the Senate would be in the same hands and, of course, the presidency. But uh, let's start with uh, Congress. Um, what, are, what are you seeing with the new Congress? Well, there's, there's, there's good news and there's bad news. And so the good news is uh, we retired Nancy Pelosi once and for all, and we took away the speaker's gavel from her, and we got Republicans controlling the United States House of Representatives once again. So the good news is that we can stop the worst policies that were coming out and being signed into law under Democratic one-party control. So you're no longer going to see the massive new government spending bills coming out of the government. You're, gonna, you're not going to see the bailouts uh, that this administration did with the whole host of liberal policies. The downside is we don't have total control, and this administration is going to continue uh, to try to go around Congress to implement actions through executive orders to, uh, to try to drive forward um, policies from the left. And that should be concerning uh, to you, to your listeners, and to really all Americans that believe we have to dramatically change course to get our economy back on track and that we have to be working to protect our freedoms and liberties. And so the good news is we're going to stop the worst excesses of Democratic one-party control. Bad news is until we win back the Senate and we have a conservative Republican president once again, uh, we're still going to be battling uh, the left. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I had one of our listeners call in and he said, you know, uh, yeah, um, Biden may go ahead with executive orders to get stuff through. Is there a way that you can leverage, you know, just your um, body to say, look, if you do this, then we're not going to vote on the other thing or one thing or another. Are you able to play the game to at least hold them at bay to some point? What, what's so important here, you're, you're asking, the, that listener's asking a good question, which is, how do you stop this administration from going around Congress? I think there's a couple of things here. Under the past two years, uh, and really even sometimes longer than that, there's been no oversight over our federal government. Never in the past two years have a whole host of federal government agencies even come before Congress to answer the question, about how they're operating and why we think they're operating in the wrong manner. I'll give you an example. I serve on the House Financial Services Committee. The chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, who's been driving a whole host of rules and regulations, hasn't even come before Congress 
uh, in over two years. With Republicans uh, in charge of the House once again, we're going to have accountability in our government. And these individuals are going to have to come before us and justify the actions that they're taking. So simply putting some sunlight on the work that this administration is doing is going to be productive. And then, two, uh, we have an opportunity to bring the, uh, the Biden administration forward uh, to have some adult conversations, finally, in particular, about the fiscal state of our country. Uh, we're going to have a debt ceiling debate. We're going to have a spending debate later this year. That's a moment in time where we could sit down, have an adult conversation, uh, and really work to get the fiscal house of the United States uh, back in order. Now, I've been doing some reading on this, and uh, I, I believe you're involved or introduced uh, to Congress um, this thing with ESG movement, the environmental, social, and governance uh, movement in uh, investing or pushing investors or the American people to um, deal with these kind of companies. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what you've done? Because I have some serious questions about it. Well, what we've seen the left do is try to go after and drive forward their leftist agenda, even when they can't win at the ballot box. And in particular, as it relates to the broader financial world, think about these giant woke corporations. Think about uh, some of the rules and regulations that are governing that over the FCC. And how do we bring this back so that investment decisions are being made to actually balance risk and return? so that people's retirement accounts are actually preparing them for their retirement rather than allowing uh, those on the far left to really hijack uh, our seniors' retirement accounts uh, to drive forward their political agenda. And so I have a bill that goes after proxy advisors. It really calls them to task. These are kind of uh, entities kind of hidden in the system uh, that have undue influence. There's two uh, companies that are the proxy advisors. There's a total duopoly. And they continue to drive forward uh, a leftist agenda that should be concerning to everyone. The, just the concentration alone should be concerning to everyone. And so I'm kind of in the weeds on this battle uh, to make sure that we're actually utilizing our financial institutions. Think about your retirement funds. Maybe you got a pension or a 401k or you bought some stock for a rainy day. But that's actually those decisions are actually being based on helping you uh, prepare for your retirement rather than allowing them uh, to be utilized to drive forward uh, a political agenda. And and I agree, because as I'm looking at it, you know, when they say, you know, ESG, you know, E for environment, you know, and, and I am retired. Um, I'm, I'm a retired guy. And at this point, I really would just like to see people invest my money. Um, I, I expect the government to go ahead and say, hey, look, these are the environmental controls. You just can't dump, uh, you know, whatever in the river, you know, and take care of that kind of stuff. But I don't need these, uh, you know, financial planners or whatever saying, you know what, hey, we only invest in ESG type of, uh, you know, stocks or whatever. And, uh, you know, and, and, and what it does is, you know, so, you know, they're they're worried about climate change and i'm worried about getting my uh stock portfolio or my retirement or whatever it may be to actually make some money you know and then they go into social that's the s part of it you know and and, and right there i'm just um 
you know, it just says, it screams out to me as, you know, Black Lives Matter, abortion issues, um, uh, you know, forcing employers or, or not forcing employers, but forcing investors to maybe uh, invest in uh, union type businesses. And then you have governance, you know, and then, and this is the biggest one that bugs me. You know, if I start a business and, uh, you know, I'm the president or I, you know, there's a CEO, why would the government get involved in how much a CEO or president makes? I, you know what? That's his business. That's his deal. The government needs to worry about government stuff. And uh, so these are kind of my problems. And, I, you know, I'm not sure if I'm making sense. No, I, I, I think I think a lot of people share this same frustration, right? They they're investing and preparing for their retirement, and the purpose of them doing that is to make sure that they can have a secured retirement. And then they look and they find out that their retirement funds have been utilized to drive forward uh, a woke corporate agenda, and they're darn frustrated, and they should be. The investment decisions for your retirement account. Uh, you, you can invest in whatever you want, but if, you, if you're investing in these general funds like most people are, those funds should be governed with a fiduciary duty to, to address risk risk and return, uh, not to advance someone else's political agenda. Uh, yet we see time and again how these these big bank how these the, the big Wall Street players are utilizing your retirement funds to drive forward an agenda. I sit on the House Financial Services Committee. It's something I spend a lot of time on. And I think we have an opportunity here not only to raise awareness of the issue, uh, but to also really go back and re revise some of our rules and regulations to get ourselves out of the mess that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And one of the comments that I got uh, via messenger was get the government out of my pocket. So great. You know, um, I like that. Now, the next topic I like to talk about is one that's being talked about a lot, and that's fentanyl on the border. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I am retired and I live in Mexico. And, uh, you know, the other hosts for Badger State Resistance live in Wisconsin. But I left uh, what, four years ago and live in sunny Mexico. It's uh, been hitting the 80s today. And uh, so I'm enjoying it while some folks are freezing but anyway so the border is a big thing for me because i live here in mexico and then of course then we have our border states now talk to me about fentanyl and what's going on um in washington and uh you know i did a show on how fentanyl is affecting uh, wisconsin but it's we're seeing mexican drug cartels produce fentanyl and then they are trafficking that across the u.s Mexico border and it's impacting um, it's, it's impacting everybody and it has a huge impact in the state of Wisconsin. It's the number one cause of death for individuals 18 to 45 and in fact you know you look in southeast Wisconsin we lost over 500 people to fentanyl related overdose death last year in Milwaukee County. We lost 68 in Racine County. We lost over 40 in Rock County, Kenosha County. So this isn't just a border state problem. This is a problem that impacts all of us across uh, the, the United States, all of us in every community in the state of Wisconsin. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important 
that we get serious about securing the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, we continue to have huge challenges uh, as it relates to the U.S.-Mexico border, and now it's more important than ever uh, to make sure we're investing in the security of the U.S.-Mexico border. Absolutely correct. Um, you know, I, uh, um, well, you know, and, and we have ways to, to possibly work with Mexico. I mean, President Lopez Obrador for Mexico says we don't use fentanyl, we don't make it. Well, then his own reports I saw the other day um, actually say that, you know, some of the raids that were done were at places where they were making fentanyl. So it's not just coming from China like a lot of folks think. Um, but we have a thing called the uh, Merida Initiative. Are you familiar with that one? That's where we... No, give me, give me the insight into that. The, that's uh, where we give money to Mexico for a bilateral aid, you know, um, to help with uh, the, the drug trafficking. You know, um, and uh, this is where Congress has already given like three and a half billion dollars. And I think here in 2023, they're asking for one hundred and forty one million, one hundred forty one point six million dollars um, to continue to combat uh, drug trafficking. The well, this is where it's so important that we're holding other countries accountable that we're holding China accountable for their development of, of some of the core ingredients, and that we're holding the, the Mexican government accountable uh, to ultimately get these drug cartels in line, which are killing uh, thousands of Americans. And so this is a moment where we have to use all the tools in the toolkit uh, to do that because American lives are being lost uh, because of the drug cartels in Mexico. Uh, and when we look at the challenge of the me drug cartels in Mexico and we look at an unsecured U.S.-Mexico border, when you couple those together, you have a nightmare scenario. And that nightmare is playing out uh, for so many moms and dads who've lost, uh, lost a loved one uh, to an illicit uh, fentanyl overdose death. Well, and uh, I would say that the U.S. is the biggest culprit in uh, the border issue by opening the border and allowing, you know, the floodgates to just come in and this is with the Biden administration and uh, people need to realize that um, even in certain areas where the I guess you know for lack of words the Trump wall um, it, it has reduced the number of um, incursions into the US you know via you know whether it be people or drugs and they're really going around it in these areas um, to the point where there's just no control and the federal government is allowing people to come in. Now, we just had four Americans going in from uh, through Brownsville, Texas into Tamaulipas and uh, four went in, two came out alive. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, FBI was involved offering rewards, the Mexican government, their police agencies and everything was involved. But it was actually the cartel themselves that turned over the five individuals saying, hey, you know what? This was a mistake and we didn't condone it. We don't condone it. So here's those five individuals. I'd like to see more investigation going on. But it seems weird that we're having the cartel police themselves when it comes to an international matter like this, um, where our citizens are being killed or taken across the border. And uh, and then when you let, take a look at the, you know, the, this Merida initiative is asking for one hundred forty one million dollars. I'm wondering, 
you know, are we dealing with the wrong law enforcement organization in Mexico if the cartels are turning over their own members who screw up? I mean, I'm being silly, of course. Um, but uh, I really would like to see a little bit more effort on part of our uh, Congress to uh, work this deal out so that we have um, a better sense of where the money's going and how the security is being provided. I mean, it just seems like with our border open and they're providing guards at the border and they're just allowing them through, it just seems like a waste of money at this point. But I could be wrong. <laughs> oh, and by the way... You know, let me add this. I was watching the news here in Mexico, and one of the news agencies called the Machin News did a survey, you know, when uh, Congress, uh, the Republican Congress, put forth a bill to, uh, you know, name uh, the cartels as terrorist groups or something like that, and which would then give uh, the U.S. government the ability to cross borders into Mexico. And, of course, all the politicians in Mexico went ballistic on that. But they did a survey of their viewers, and it turns out that 71% of the viewers on that show says they would love to have U.S. troops in Mexico. Can you believe it? And no one benefits by the, the drug cartels uh, and their influence right now. Uh, no one benefits by an unsecured border. And so I think what we really need to do is get the American policies correct to protect American citizens, to make sure that American citizens are protected from fentanyl from coming across, uh, and to make sure we're holding uh, the Mexican government and ultimately the drug cartels accountable uh, for the destruction that they're um, that they're causing here in the United States. Hey, you know what? I and we're running low on time. I know you're busy. Um, another question: January six. You know we have. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson put out a video showing that this individual that was put out to be a uh, the worst of the worst of, of, of Americans, turns out he was just on a tour of the Capitol and his, you know, was given four years or so in prison. What is Congress doing for those folks that were unjustly arrested and accused you know, with this new information that's come out, is there anything they can do? Um, you know, should we be looking into, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter almost as a retaliatory thing saying, hey, look, you guys screwed us. Now we're going to go after your political operatives that uh, that really did do damage in the U.S. So but that's just me. I'm just one of those kind of guys. But. What is being done about January 6th, and what are your thoughts? I think the, the real opportunity here is to provide additional transparency. So we saw the, the January 6th Select Committee put forward a, a partisan um, report. Uh, you've got to remember that um, then Minority Leader, now Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, wasn't allowed uh, to appoint any Republican members to this committee. And so what we're looking at is making sure that we're providing the transparency to the American people. Uh, as to what took place. Uh, you know, many people engaged in criminal behavior on January 6th. Those that did should be held accountable. Uh, but I think that ultimately the American people are well served by having the transparency uh, that the January 6th Select Committee under Nancy Pelosi didn't provide. Now, okay, let's just say you provide the transparency. What about those politicians that lied, those politicians that withheld information, withheld, uh, you know, 
stuff that people could have defended themselves against. I mean, is there anything that can be done other than saying, okay, you're not going to be on any committees, you know, whatever. What can Congress it, do? The, the, the line's cutting in and out on us just a touch there, but I, I think what you're, what you're asking right, is how do you hold these politicians accountable uh, and across the board, and that's always the electoral ballot box. And so making sure that the American people uh, know the truth about what's playing out day in and day out, whether or not it's the, the economic policy, whether or not it's voter integrity that Biden misled people on earning four Pinocchios uh, in the Washington Post, meaning his statements were not true. Um, the more we share the information, programs maybe like yours uh, that are sharing information uh, with listeners across the United States about what is playing out in their federal government and making sure that that visibility uh, is there for people. Ultimately, this rests at the ballot box where people need to hold uh, their elected leaders accountable. Okay. Now, one last uh, question that was brought up, and that's unifying the Republican Party. As you know, in Wisconsin, we're not all that unified. We have factions now in the Republican Party. We have Republicans, conservatives, patriots, and everything in between. Um, you know, and uh, Racine County, which uh, seems to be the hotbed of uh, resistance to Voss and Voss's resistance to um, other folks, um, has become an issue. It's been, you know, in the media. Um, how is it or what would your message be to Republicans and to Speaker Voss on unifying the party in Wisconsin? I think what's so important is that we, we remain unified. you got to remember in the state of Wisconsin, going back to 2016, um, there are people that had all sorts of different views uh, with President Trump. And the reason that we were successful uh, in getting President Trump elected is that at the end of the day, uh, Republicans came together. Uh, and didn't fracture. When Republicans fracture, we end up uh, with Democrats uh, in control of our state. And so the real key here is to make sure that we're driving forward conservative policies in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but by the time we get to Election Day, I think it's really important that we are uh, unified as a party. We're going to have a big Supreme Court race uh, coming up in just a few weeks. This is really a moment uh, following a uh, contentious primary between two conservatives that are on the ballot. Uh, to really come together and recognize uh, that the alternative uh, is a, a real, true, uh, radical progressive uh, who wants to dramatically transform uh, our state. And so this is a moment in time where conservatives across Wisconsin are going to have to come together uh, and show up in droves at the ballot box uh, to make sure that we maintain and protect our freedoms and liberties uh, by keeping a conservative um, or uh, getting a conservative on the Wisconsin Supreme Court with uh, Justice Dan Kelly. Uh, yes, we support Dan Kelly here at Badger State Resistance Podcast um, 100%. You know, one last thing I would say before I let you go and you serve our country is uh, next time, or are you in Wisconsin right now? I, I go, I'm back and forth. I'll be there here uh, by the end of the day. Okay. If you run across Speaker Voss, say, we want to unify but you need to meet us halfway. And that would be from me, especially, you know, uh, as, as a conservative. And, uh, you know, I feel I'm a patriot. I would like to see our politicians in Wisconsin at least meet us halfway. And, uh, you know, hopefully coming from you, sir, he'll, he'll take it seriously. 
You know, uh, any last thoughts, and I'll let you go. Yeah, we're working to unify. This election's a big deal. Make sure all of your listeners are getting out there, doing everything they can to get other folks out as well uh, to vote. This Supreme Court race is a huge deal. Unifying is is, is it. Uh, and appreciate you having me on your uh, your podcast today. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Congressman Brian Stile. Um, hope to talk to you soon. And folks, um, you know, leave your comments, and uh, I will, uh, you know, if they're at least one of the nicer comments, because I do get a lot of hate mail, I will even forward it on to uh, their office, and hopefully you can get an answer. All right, sir. Thank you. Take care. Folks, I'll talk to you next week.